right, and welcome back to Untranslated Islam. This is your brother, Ben Yusuf, and this is the show where we delve deep into the mountains, rivers, oceans of knowledge, find things in Arabic that haven't been translated, and we translate them for us to benefit and apply to our lives, okay? Um, we, we did an introduction, a basic introduction in our last episode of our starting to what I'm going to call or connect your heart to the Quran. And in this series, we want to set out and we're going to seek uh, those things in the Quran or those ayat or those points of view on the Quran that are moving, that evoke emotional response. Okay. So the first things, of course, are going to be love, fear, and joy. Uh, love, hope, and fear, excuse me, because those three things, al-mahabba, al-raja, wal-khawf, are the foundations of ibadah, as we said there in the Fatiha. But also anything else that's in the Quran that evokes emotion, joy and sadness, um, pride and humble and humility. Uh, whatever the situation is of emotions, we want to get it, connect our hearts to it, because it will allow us to appreciate both our Quran recitation and our salah. And then, of course, we can apply these things to our to our lives, our everyday lives also. So we started into the situation of, by Allah's permission, Surah Al-Nasr, and we gave a brief introduction to it um, and just touched on some points, but I want to give some detail to those points in these next two sittings, inshallah. All right, so we're going to go back through just, a, like I said, just a brief synopsis. Um, we are going to deal with the fact that this surah, even though we read it all the time, it is such an important surah that we don't realize because it is the culmination of both a life and an affair. I said a life and an affair. So as far as the affair, then we talked about the affair of Fatah-Mecca, or the opening or victory that the Prophet ﷺ gained over Mecca. And as I was reviewing my tafsir last night, I looked and I said, you know what? I want to read this verbatim because these are points from the tafsir of Shikri Thaymeen that has never, they have never been translated. So we have, of course, things from, like, like, for example, Ibn Kathir. Qurtubi is not translated either, but I've saw, I've seen some texts from different colleges and universities where portions of it was covered, but I don't think this was covered. So we usually have Ibn Kathir, and then from, my, from what I understand, Imam uh, Tafsir Asadi has been translated recently, but Uthameen uh, hasn't been touched yet. So I want to read verbatim what he said and just extract the benefit. And the reason why is because, like I said, when it comes to things like this, I'm going to be specifically choosing parts of tafsir that evoke emotion. And so I want you to hear the emotion from the scholars so that you don't realize it, but I realized it when I started to pray after recite, after reading tafsir, it changed my prayer because those emotions will come back that I read. The emotions of joy, the emotions of fear, the emotions of anger, pride, everything. So I'm going to read it pretty much verbatim. And so let's jump straight into it, inshallah. Let's get these hasanat. Shaykh Amin said, Al-Fatah. Is talking about Fatah Mecca. What can Fatah Mecca fi Sanatul Thamin min Hijrat min al Hijrah min fi Ramadan? And then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam lem. Let's let's say as we said before uh, yesterday, the opening of Mecca is what we're talking about when we say Fatah. Okay, and this was in the uh, eighth year of Ramadan, uh, the eighth year of the Hijrah, and it was in the month of Ramadan. All right. So he said, "Wasababahu and then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam lem salah salaha Quraysha." When the Nabi or the Prophet وسلم, when he made the treaty with Quraysh, uh, 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 
في غزوة الحديبية. This was the Sulh Hudaybiyah that you guys are familiar with, okay? When he made that treaty, he said that they broke that treaty. And when they broke that treaty, خَرَجَ عَلَيْهِمْ مُخْتَفِيًا The Prophet ﷺ left out and he made the, uh, the, the, the decision that they were going to come and take over Mecca. But they did it very quietly and very secretly. They didn't broadcast their situation. So the people of, of, of Mecca didn't know what was going on until everything was set up. And this was for a good thing. It wasn't, this is the, the things that we have to do sometime actually for good. Because as a result, they realized they couldn't fight the numbers of Muslims that were coming in. And the Muslims were coming in peacefully. No one wanted to start any trouble in Mecca. Mecca has always been known as a sanctuary to all of the Arabs, both before Islam and after Islam. Okay, So the whole point was to do it in a way where it remained a sanctuary and there would be no fighting. All right. So now let's get into the points that we didn't cover yesterday. Uh, from this we see the love and the thanks that we have to have to Allah for the wisdom of his le legislation, okay? And his constant protection of us, okay? Because he, they, they have plots. That whole Surah Hudaybiyah was their plot as the, as the Quraysh or as the people who weren't Muslim in order to be able to stop the, tr the trouble or the problems of the Muslims and to keep them in their place. And so that's why they put different conditions on it. Even the Sahabas were looking at the Prophet and saying, you want to agree to that? He agreed to it. But why? Because the wisdom of Allah, and this is what I wanted to say. Allah says, They plot and plan. But Allah's plan is already going to thwart their plan. Because Allah is the best of planners. All right. And he also says, They make their plots and I make my plot already that's going to huh, trump their plot. So you don't worry about that. You just make sure you stay in the right. And Allah Jalla always has us. But the deepest thing is istikbaran fil ardi wa Allah says in Surah Al-Fatir, "Wala yahikul makr sayyi'u illa bi ahli." He said that they are arrogant. Those people who decide to go against what Allah laid down, they're arrogant and they plan these evil plans. But what they don't know or realize is that Every person who plans an evil plan, it never does anything except come right back, as we say, to bite you in your rear. Okay? It comes right back to bite you in your rear every single time. So every plan that anyone plans of evil, it can do nothing except come back against you. So the Quraysh's plan came back against them because once they broke the contract, they didn't realize that for eight years, the Prophet had been sending people quietly. The people that come to become to become Muslim, they would say, okay, you can become Muslim. But you can't stay right now. Go back to your tribe and teach them about Islam. And like this, go back, teach them about Islam. I send this person to go and teach you and help you guys about Islam. Like this. So by the time this happened, there were hundreds of thousands maybe of Muslims that were all just quiet, just waiting for the, the, the tens of thousands. I know for sure it said in Tafsir, just waiting for the time to make the move. They were just quiet. All right. So that's why when it happened, they came in in droves without a problem. All right. Uh, so, فَدَخَلَ مَكَّةَ فِي الْإِشْرِينَ مِنْ شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ 
they came into Mecca on the 20th of the month of Ramadan in the, like we said, the eighth year of Hijrah. And they came in Mansura, huh? They came in victorious and with the help of Allah. And this is hadith, uh, hadith directly. So this is where I'm going to read it to you directly. It says, So the, the Kufar or the disbelievers of the Quraysh, of the Quraysh, they came around the Kaaba, okay? And they stood there and they said, Ya Ma'ashur Quraysh. Uh, 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 the Prophet Sallallahu he gathered them there and had them stand there. And then he said, Ya Ma'ashur Quraysh, O you people of Quraysh, what do you think I should do with you? What do y'all think? Y'all done 20 years, 20 years, uh, uh, 13 years in Mecca, and then this eight years in Medina, y'all been given problems and going against what y'all know is the truth. Now we're here, we haven't shed any blood, but y'all are the ones who caused all of this. What do y'all think I should do with y'all? Okay, so they said, uh, he said, uh, in, in this tafsir from Sheikh Uthameen, he says, And this is another point of emotion, another point of heart touching. Now look at this situation. For all these years, he was the one that was on the lower end. Now he has the position after having to run just to save his dean, after having to sneak out in order to him and Abu Bakr in order to get away after all the people and all the things they had to do. Now he's in a position where he's standing over these people and he's saying, what do y'all think I should do with you? From this is the reminder that Allah can turn any situation 180 degree degrees. You just got to trust in Allah. It's not he one, the one that told you to say, He's the one who told you in Surah Imran, Ali Imran to say, say, oh, our Lord or oh, oh, oh Allah. Malikul Mulk, the king of all kings. You give kingship or kingdom or sovereignty to who you will and you take it away from who you will. And you raise high who you will or give power and might and you debase who you will. Biyadikal khair. All of the, the, all of, all of the good is in your hands. You're able to do whatever. These are the things that you have to remember when you're in a difficult situation. Remember, you're reading Remember what happened with that. That was after 21 years of the Prophet and the Muslims being on the low end. And just like that, they flipped to it being on the high end and stayed and remained on that. Allah can take your situation at the work. Allah can take your situation at home. Allah can take your situation with sickness. Allah can take the situation with your children at school and just flip everything around. You just have to be patiently persevering in whatever you have to do to get there. And that's going to come a little in a second because of the statement that the Prophet said to them. Check out this. He says to them, they say, they say, they say, we think that you should do good to us. Because you're a good person, huh? You're a good, generous, uh, noble person, and your father was good, generous, and noble. You know, they, you know how they do it when you, in a situation, either they're going to be fighting to the death, or they humble themselves because they know it ain't no getting out of this. So look what he says. He says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, He said, I say to you, with Yusuf, look at time to give him dawah. 
He's giving them da'wah right in the midst of this. This is da'wah they'll never forget, which is why most of them became Muslim. He said, I'm going to say to you what my brothers, uh, uh, what Yusuf said to his brothers. La lakum. Y'all don't have nothing to worry about anymore. This day, everything is wiped away. It's like it didn't happen. May Allah forgive y'all. Now, look at the depth of that. Everyone knows the story sort of Yusuf. But now the Prophet ﷺ gives you the hint of how deep that was in his heart. Why? Because when was Surah to Yusuf sent down? Surah to Yusuf was sent down when the Prophet was going through the most difficult time. It was around the time when he got stoned out of Ta'if. He didn't know which way to go or what to do. And then Allah sends down Surah to Yusuf. The most complete Surah as far as a story in the entire Quran. He has to feel this. He has to cry over it, which is why Umar used to recite it in two rakats and fudge, like we said, and cry it over all the time. Because when you understand this story, you look and you see this happened to Yusuf when he was a young boy, eight to ten years old. How do we know that? Because he was at the age where he was still a kid face. He had a kid face. The other boys, they were grown. They had teenage faces. So their faces stayed how they were for the rest of their life. But everyone knows a kid's face. It's going to shape into something else as they get older, which is why when he saw them 30 years later or 40 years later, I don't, he recognized them, but they didn't recognize him because his face had changed. His body, everything had changed. So the, the Mufassidin said that he was in there from the time uh, this happened when he was seven, eight years old when they threw him down the well. And it took him between 20 to 40 years. And you can count it out. Count it out. From the time he's seven to eight to the time when he's in the in the situation with the with the woman that's trying to seduce him, that right there had to be up to he was like at mid to, uh, early twenties, teens to twenties, right? Eighteens to twenties. So that's at least ten to fifteen years. And then he goes into the prison, and he's in the prison. He stays in the prison for a period of time, and then after that, he tries to get out, and they forget for mekathafisijni bilvasinin. That's between three to nine more years. This is what the scholars say in the tafsir. So that's that's say 20, that's easily 20 years, right? Then the situation comes where he comes out and because he tells the, the, the gives the advice to the, to the medic, to the king, and he tells him to put him over the Khazat and Al-Art, and he's over there for how long? It's seven years of drought, then seven years of goodness, and then a year, I mean, seven years of goodness, then seven years of drought, and then the one year of goodness. It was in this period of the drought when Yusuf's brother started coming. So that's at least another what? Another 10 years, possibly close to 15. You're talking about 20 to 30 years between the time that he went through his difficulty and the time when the thing came where he was able to bring his father, bring his mother, or before that, bring all his brothers and then show them that he's Yusuf. And then they sh- they realize the situation. And that's when he makes his statement. After all that, may Allah have mercy on you, forgive you. So now you can feel the prophet had to feel this and cry over it and come to the conclusion. When I get up in there, I'm going to do like my brother Yusuf. I'm not holding anybody for anything. This was all the decree of Allah. All I'm here for is to be a rahmatun lil'alameen, to be a mercy, a rahmatun, a mercy, consistent, constant mercy on all of mankind. So we need to feel all of this. So when we read, إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ وَرَأَيْتَ النَّاسِ يَدْخُلُونَ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ دِينِ اللَّهِ أَفْوَاجَةِ You think about what the Prophet had to go through. Like he said to his father, Yusuf, وَقَدْ أَحْسَنَ بِي Talking about Allah. إِذْ أَخْرَجَنِي مِنَ السِّجِنْ وَجَاءَ بِكُمْ مِنَ الْبَدُ وَمْ بَعْدِ إِهِ مَا نَزَغَ الشَّيْطَانَ بَيْنِي وَبَيْنَ إِخْوَتِي 
He hinted to his father. Allah has been merciful on me, but I don't want you to think that it was sweet. I was in decision for a period of time. He didn't say after I was just, I was in decision and he, Allah took me out. I got myself in there and Allah took me out. Other situation, my brothers did wrong and then Allah corrected that. Okay. You always give the good to Allah. I got myself sick and then he's the one who cured me. So the whole point is the difficulty is between us and shaitan. But the blessing comes from Allah. So the whole point is, is that in this situation, no hard feelings. The blessing comes from Allah. All of y'all safe. That's the play. That's the blessing that you need to feel when you're reading Ivajah and Nasrullah al It was the fact of all of Islam. The Prophet now accomplished what he was made for, created for. To lay down the foundations and the fundamentals of Islam in the earth from now until from then until Yom Qiyamah. All right. How much time do we have? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, 17. All right. Okay, perfect. Because this will allow me to close this per this portion out. And then the next portion, we're going to talk about the second point of either Jad and Sulaiwa effect. Because there's two points there. The one point we're talking about now, the second point is Allah Akbar. All right. All right. So the point is, is that, uh, that the three by Alaikum Uliyom. Okay. Uh, boom, 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 boom. Okay. So we already talked about the fact that all of the, the uh, all of the, uh, neighboring Arab or the surrounding Arab uh, chiefs and communities and, and tribes, they were all waiting. Huh? And this is a hadith that's sahih. So I didn't read the hadith, but with these hadiths, I like to make sure that I say them to you so you hear they're coming from sahih sources. So in Bukhari, the Prophet Sallallahu uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Umar ibn Salama called, he said, Lamma kan al fatah بادر كل قوم بإسلامهم إلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وكانت الأحياء تتلوم بإسلامها فتح مكة يقولون دع دعوه وقومه فإن ظهر عليهم فهو نبي He said that when the, the opening of Mecca came then all of the tribes started to come into Islam because before that they had been waiting and they were seeing the situation happening between the Prophet and his people, the Quraysh. And he said, leave the situation. If he's successful, then we know without a doubt that he has to be a prophet. And so we all going in. Okay. So, after he, he conquered Mecca or took over Mecca or opened it up, as we should say, because it wasn't like with swords of blood. He just opened it up for the Muslims. That was it. So after he did that, they came in so quickly that within two years, which was the last two years of his life, hint, hint, the last two years of his life, hint, hint. Remember that for our next meeting, our next sitting for that last two years of his life. All of the Jazeera Arab, they all came in. So I need you to imagine this as we're closing out. Okay. And it wasn't a single tribe from the tribes of the Arabs, except that in general, they all started to show out their Islam after having to hide it. Okay. So from this, imagine, I need you to imagine the situation. Most of us are living in non-Muslim areas. Imagine all of a sudden something happens and Everything changes. Everybody was saying we was waiting for that to happen. 
We kind of knew in our hearts what the deal was, but now everything just changed. And all of a sudden, your brothers and your sisters are becoming Muslim. Your funny looking cousins are becoming Muslim. Your aunts and your uncles are becoming Muslims. But then deeper than that, you go outside. The community leaders are become Muslims. The black leaders come to became Muslim. The police people are men are becoming Muslim. You get to school. Your mudir, your uh, 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 principal is Muslim. Your job, your CEO, the the, prince, the, 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 the boss, your manager is a Muslim. The president or prime minister themselves became Muslim. I can you just imagine how that feels? Just everything changes all of a sudden. People just say, okay, we knew what was right anyway. And they start closing the drug stores, uh, uh, the, you know, the liquor stores and start closing, stop selling the drugs and, and people start doing right. And like, can you imagine that feel? I need you to imagine this feeling. All of this is in the statement when the help of Allah came and his victory. is a plural of foge. One after a group after a group, large numbers, large numbers like this, this whole tribe, this whole tribe, all of North Philly, all of West Philly, all of Jenkintown, all of uh, New Jersey, all of New York. They all coming in all at once. Can you imagine the joy of that? Listen to the wording because that's what we're going to talk about in our next sitting. Allah Jalla as Shaykh Al-Thameen said, you would think he would say, Fashkur. Do thank Allah. Then extol Allah and give him hamd. And we told you hamd is four things. It's thanat or exaltation. Uh, it's uh, uh, mahabba. I mean, excuse me. It's a shukr. It's thanks. It's mahabba. It's love and talvim and reverence. So give him all of that exaltation. Give him uh, thanks. Give him love. Give him uh, 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 reverence. And then forgive. Ask forgiveness for your shortcomings. In this affair and every affair of yours. But there's a reason why Allah told said that last ayah. And that's what we're going to talk about in our next sitting. May Allah allow us to fill his kitab, fill his book, fill his Quran, fill the seven min al mathani, fill the seven ayats, off repeated ayats, fill when we stand up and make our connection to him and allow us to. To connect our hearts to the Quran, to the Salah, and to Him. Until next time, let's keep getting these hasanat. Let's take it, apply it into our lives. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.